Hello, I'm Megan Gray and you're listening to Change the Record podcast from Vocal Girls and Tomorrow magazine. This week, I'm speaking to Ashita Cabra-Davies, the founder of Rotation, which is the first UK peer-to-peer fashion rental app. Ashita was born in India, grew up in Singapore, and then moved to the UK to study and work before launching her app at the end of last year. As a lover and consumer of fashion herself, Ashita realised that she was part of the problem of fast fashion and the environmental and social impact that it had on the world. She wanted to create something that would enable people to wear new outfits without the cost to the environment, which is when she came up with the idea for Birotation. She's since been featured in Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, won Draper's 2020 Sustainable Fashion Award and been named one of the women leading the fight against climate change by Refinery29. In this episode, we talk about the inspiration behind Birotation, why we need to change the way we think about our clothes and her hopes for a more sustainably conscious fashion industry. We didn't really expect 2020 to be this way at all. You know, obviously Mm. we had very different financial forecasts. Um, But actually, um, it's been a great year for me to really think about what kind of founder I want to be and what kind of business I want to run. So there's been a lot of self-reflection, which I'm really happy about before I start racing, you know. Yeah, that's actually great. It's almost like giving you a chance to kind of sit back and decide how you want to do things as you're setting off rather than in retrospect. Yeah, exactly. To anyone that hasn't heard of your company, how would you describe what you do? Biorotation is the Airbnb of designer fashion. It's the largest fashion rental app in the UK and it's where you can lend and rent designer items from your peers. Um, And it's a great way to be sustainable because you're making sure that you're getting the most use of the items you already own uh, and therefore also transforming your consumption habits. Um, and really, our mission is to, you know, um, end fast fashion mm. altogether and really go global with this thing. So we want to be the global go-to fashion rental app. It's such a cool idea. Like, I'm so impressed by the... Thank you. It's such a kind of solutions-orientated idea, which I love. If anyone hadn't heard why fast fashion is bad, can you explain the kind of main reasons why it's problematic? Yeah, fast fashion. So the level at which we're producing um, consumer goods such as fashion, especially fast fashion, is completely different to the level our parents and definitely our grandparents used to have. Um, And in the UK in particular, we consume about 10 times um, more than our European counterparts, thanks to a lot of fast fashion e-tailers who I don't want to name. (laughs) Um, But besides the fact that we're overproducing and we have weekly drops, Um, of things, you know, to make us feel better about ourselves or to spend our paycheck on. Um, There's also a lot of uh, garment workers that are being completely mistreated. So that's not just in the Far East, but also in in the UK, Mm. you know, in Leicester itself. Um, And I think I even heard in Scotland, actually. So I think there's this real question about modern slavery, you know, exploitation um, of garment workers um, and also overproduction. And really also a question about how much we as consumers have been um, tricked into this mentality of where once. Yeah. Um, you know, be that from the marketing campaigns that are shown to us um, or social media that puts a lot of pressure on us to, to do something new all the time and to dress differently all the time. So I think there's, there's a lot of things that need to change in the way that we're consuming. We've definitely done so with what we eat, what we drink, um, you know, how we exercise and take care of ourselves. Mm. 
I think what we put on our body, so the clothing that we wear is really just the next thing. Mm -hmm. And what we're really trying to do is we've got price points that lenders, so people such as yourself, set that, um, you know, that beat fast fashion. So you could rent a Reformation or Rixo dress for 20, 30 pounds for a weekend, uh, as opposed to buying a new one from, you know, one of the fast fashion companies that you see on the high street. So it's really about sharing from others and, you know, consuming and wearing high quality um, and therefore actually buying less, buying better um, mm. and, and yeah, and sharing. Also, it's like it, this isn't really a new idea in terms of our culture in the sense that, you know, we're always borrowing and sharing from our, our family and our friends. And that's something that we've always done. And there's never been any kind of hostility associated with that. So why shouldn't we? you know share with people via an app yeah exactly and i think one of the things that i always felt was oh um you know this this person on instagram i love their style mm. um i think we're the same size and obviously we don't know each other so i can't you know i can't just be like <laughs> hey can i borrow your dress um and and that's why i thought that it'd be really nice to make it peer-to-peer -peer as opposed to a company mm. uh, owning a lot of stock which you know in the u.s you have rent the runway in china you have white closet um, so I, I just thought it would be really nice to be able to borrow from, you know, like-minded people. Um, and that's why community is so important to us. And also sometimes you might have um, family and fr family members and friends who aren't the same size or style as yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So this is really about the woman that, you know, the person that you see on the street and you're like, God, I love her style. Yeah. And I would love to borrow that coat, but I can't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the goal really is to um, to end up, you know, having to to be global and have local communities everywhere, where you can end up rotating your wardrobe with people around you, even if they're not necessarily in your social circle. So maybe within a few years, we're going to be in the girls' toilet, <laughs> and uh, we'll say to someone, "Oh, I love your dress," and they'll go, "You can hire it out on by rotation." That's exactly what we want. <laughs> and actually, we've already started seeing that. At um, so I go to a bar studio in my neighbourhood, and I actually ended up meeting a few rotators, as we call oh, it. Oh wow! So I met a couple of them who were using the app while waiting for a class, and I, I was, I didn't mean to look at their phones, but I just saw, <laughs> and I was like oh my god they're using by rotation and then they're like yeah do you know it and I'm like yeah <laughs> so that's when I kind of thought that that's when I kind of realized that you know the snowball effect is really working it's kind of you know going um you know it's kind of going like I guess it's getting more concentrated um within various neighborhoods so yeah we really want to take it everywhere and um yeah and can continue to expand the community that's so exciting. That must have been a real moment for you. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and turns out she was my size as well. So now we regularly, well, not at the moment because I haven't been going anywhere, but we regularly <laughs> were rotating from each other. Wow. Do you want to tell me what you picked for your yesterday song and why? Yeah, so my yesterday or past song is Those Days by Kazi. And the reason why I picked this song is because that's the song that I actually listen to almost every day. <laughs> um, probably for the past six years now. Wow. Yeah, it's, it makes me sound a bit crazy. I love it. <laughs> 
Yes, I guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's a song that reminds me um, of the first job that I ever had. So I had relocated from London right out of university because I got a graduate role at Standard Life Investments. So I moved to Edinburgh and I was completely new to town. So I'm not from the UK. I'm from Singapore. And I didn't really um, know anyone in, in Scotland or in Edinburgh. And it just sort of reminds me of the time when I was in Edinburgh and I kept thinking about how, God, I want to move back to London with this job. Mm. I love my job, but, um, you know, I I wish I was back in London with all my friends and the people that I actually know. Um, so, yeah, I kind of look back now at the song and I think about those times and I'm like, oh, wow, Ishi, you have so much to learn because that was probably one of the best experiences of your life. Um, I would say I really thoroughly enjoyed um, my experience in Edinburgh. I learned so much on my first job. I was given incredible opportunities that I think, you know, people 10 years into their career aren't given. Wow. Um, and so I, I just look back really fondly at that time. And this song kind of makes me, it reminds me um, of myself standing outside my um, terrace in my apartment in Edinburgh and, you know, just looking at the stars being like, well, at least I can see the stars because you can't see them in London. So, <laughs> <laughs> and music is so powerful in terms of creating that kind of imagery, isn't it? And like, I, really I can remember what memories. I was wearing. So yeah, you know, obviously I was listening to the song, what I was wearing, how I was feeling. What so, were you wearing? Uh, I was wearing a trench coat. Um, so, so in my previous life, uh, so a year ago, I was working in investment management. So I used to dress very corporate. And yeah, I was wearing like, you know, a Burberry trench coat, court shoes, you know, I'd just come back from work and I was just listening to the song with my, with my Mulberry Bayswater black bag, you know, all very, mm. I wouldn't say boring because I actually like to dress that way, <laughs> but uh, in my sort of more corporate monotone uh, kind of um, outfits. And how, what was it like sort of being thrown into a city that you didn't know with like no one around you that you knew? How did you kind of adjust to that? It was really hard, to be honest. Um, I, I did feel that Edinburgh wasn't as diverse as London. Mm. And uh, diversity is so important to me. You know, I'm a third culture kid myself. And um, and it just seemed very... Um, it seemed like a... It felt like a bubble. And it wasn't something... And, and maybe London's a bubble, to be fair, yeah. right? Um, but it just felt like a more diverse bubble. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and, and Edinburgh, I remember when I was there, it was it was being pretty much run by my company, Standard Life Investments. You mm. know, as soon as you got off the plane, there were, there were banners uh, at the airport about Standard Life everywhere. So you almost felt kind of... Um, I wouldn't say brainwashed, because I, I really love the company and I love my time there. But I would say you really felt like you were part of something. Thing, and, yeah. and there was nothing more to you than besides being part of the company. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, um, I found it quite hard, but I remember thinking, okay, I'm quite an extroverted person. I usually have a large group of friends. So I remember signing up to this thing called meetup.com. Uh, and there was this group called Girl Gone International. And I ended up meeting a lot of, um, well, I wouldn't say random, but yeah, they were strangers mm. from the internet. Um, and, you know, all these women from all over the world that had settled in Edinburgh. And that was really cool. That's and amazing. Thank you. So I kind of really put myself out there, um, yeah. you know, and, and I thought, I think that's what life has to be, right? You just have to um, put yourself up. in. Yeah. That's it. And figure out who you are um, with what you have. And how long were you in Edinburgh for then? Two and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I probably almost feel like I could have lasted there a bit longer. Mm. I was just desperate to come back to London and being, you know, a, a big city again, um, which explains 
the way that I was grown up, uh, yeah. the way that I was brought up, um, you know, having been brought up in Singapore. So what was that like growing up in Singapore? Because you were originally born in India yeah. and then you moved to Singapore. So how was that kind of like changing? And Yeah, I mean, I moved to Singapore with my family when I was two and a half years old. Wow. So in that sense, I suppose, um, like, you know, every time I hear a Singaporean accent on the street, I approach the person right away yeah. and I'm like, hey, are you from Singapore? And they're like, yeah, why? And I'm like, because I'm from Singapore. And they're like, no way. <laughs> so um, so I would definitely say I'm very um, culturally Singaporean, um, even though my accent or whatever might not seem like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, growing up in Singapore, it's, you know, it's got 7 million population. It's very densely populated, I think, even more so than Monaco and Liechtenstein. So um, it's probably one of the mo most densely populated countries. Um, it's also a city only. So um, you couldn't go anywhere without bumping into someone you know, uh, which um, as a rebellious middle child can be a bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's why I really was, um, I really wanted to settle in the UK uh, after university. So I, w I was frantically applying to so many graduate schemes and uh, finally got an amazing job. Wow. What was it about London that attracted you so much? Uh, just, I think, the diversity of people that I met here. And you could literally be anyone you wanted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any day of the week, I could go to Shoreditch and be a bit more edgy and hipster. I could go to, you know, one day I could be going to um, Ministry of Sound clubbing. Mm -hmm. And then the other day I could go to Bougie yeah. in South Kensington. I could... I could, you know, be anyone I wanted on any day of the week. And I love sort of um, being able to do that because I think Singapore is definitely much more policed. Yeah. Uh, and I won't say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously you weren't originally from a fashion background then. So at what point did you first sort of fall in love with fashion? Has it always been a big part of your life? Fashion, I think, you know, to be honest with you, I fell into fashion more as an interest and a hobby. Uh, because I used to be a graphic designer since right. I was 11 years old. And so while designing this, gra you know, all these layouts, and as we call it, in graphic design, um, you know, I, I was finding sort of photos to use for the design. And I stumbled into, you know, all these, you know, beautiful models having mm. elaborate photo shoots. And that's when I started becoming more aware of brand names and labels. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say I... You know, I'm not someone who reads fashion magazines mm. even to date. Um, I only read them if I'm told that we're in them. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so my, my love for fashion is more based on the fact that um, I find it very aesthetically pleasing mm. and I like to mix and match things. Um, so that's where my interest comes about. And yeah, I mean, I was working in finance um, right out of uni and actually during my uni days as well on internships. So uh, fashion was always kind of a... A passion I suppose mm. you know and, and a way to express myself and you know and a way to spend my salary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how would you describe your style oh it's really really hard to say because I've been trying to figure it out and actually it's funny my team and I talk about it because you know they've been saying you need to get new headshots and all of that and I can never really pinpoint to how I want to represent myself mm. but I would say um it's definitely a bit more um tailored I would say that would be the look um and a little more smart because yeah. I feel best when I look that way and my husband likes it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did this all then lead to birotation? Yeah, the idea for birotation really came from a first world problem. I was planning my honeymoon, I think it was in October 2018, so almost two years from now. 
And, you know, I was, you know, reading, you know, Condé Nast Traveler and then looking at Instagram for inspiration on where to go, where mm. to eat, all of that, and also what to wear. Um, and I started thinking about, oh, it'd be really nice if I could have rented that dress. But um, I was thinking it'd be, it's very wasteful to spend all that money mm. um, just for a holiday. And I didn't want to buy any low quality items either because it was a special holiday. So I ended up going on my honeymoon, which was to Rajasthan, where I was born. So that's the desert state of India. And it wasn't until I was there that I noticed the amount of textile waste um, that I hadn't seen, uh, right. you know, ever. And this is this is beyond the well-documented landfills that we know um, just outside Delhi. So I felt kind of personally accountable mm. because I was also buying clothes for this this holiday. And in the past, you know, just for fun or, or a different holiday that I was going on and potentially not wearing the items more than 10 times. Um, and I know that 90% of what we donate to charities actually ends up going to landfills, yeah. uh, which often end up in African countries and, and, and India, for example, as well. And that's when I felt like I was part of the problem, you know, the consumerist mentality that I had. And that's when I started thinking about how I had done the survey on all the fashion rental uh, the global fashion rental landscape and realized that there wasn't a UK or European player uh, that was very visible. And I thought it'd be really nice if we pushed the concept a step further and made it more like Airbnb. Yeah. And I love, I, as I said earlier, I kind of love that you identified a problem and then came up with a solution that offers, you know, a positive response in so many different ways, you know, whether that be accessibility for people that can't afford these brands or in the environment, you know, it's 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 really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to come at it from a regular consumer. Uh, I felt that I was quite unsuspecting as well just a couple of years ago. I didn't quite realise that, you know, there is a price tag beyond yeah. the price tag that I see on clothing. Um, and I think a lot of people actually don't realize, to be honest, it's not because um, it's not because we don't care. It's just yeah. we've never really had the chance to know how bad it is. And that's why it was very important for me to make sure that the solution would be geared towards people of all walks of life. Yeah. So not just for people who work in fashion mm. and who know about fashion. Yeah, I think that is it's very true of a lot of people this year, I think, in particular. I think there's been a lot of awareness very recently about the kind of the consequences of fast fashion. And I think, you know, myself included, are all waking up to the reality. I also saw that you recently put your wedding dress on the app. What made you decide to do that? Yeah, um, so I actually have four wedding outfits because wow. <laughs> it was like a proper Indian wedding, although it was Anglo-Indian, so it was a mix of Western and Indian traditions. And uh, yeah, and I know for a fact that it will be very hard for me to wear those outfits. Um, you couldn't wear them to another Indian wedding because you would trump the bride and that would be really <laughs> bad. Um, and I, you know, for everything that I buy um, to date, I've put on the app and I share it. So I feel like there's no, there shouldn't be a reason why I do that. Don't mm. do that with my wedding outfits, which again I've only worn once, and I would love to get more wear out of. You know, they're obviously, you know, you know, they're, they're very intricate, they're elaborate, they're fairly expensive, and I would love for someone else to enjoy them because they are still beautiful. I just, I'm not going to get married again. <laughs> <laughs> Hope not. Anyway, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's kind of amazing when you start thinking about clothes as kind of having their own stories, like different events that they've gone to and and seeing it through the lens of your app kind of really 
it shows that. We we actually joke and say it's kind of like the sisterhood of the traveling dress, yeah. right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, for example, I've got a particular handbag that I've listed on the app. It's like this this monogram Gucci Dionysus yeah. bag that, you know, it increased in value since I bought it five years ago. And I don't really wear it that often. And the amount of people who've rented it across the UK um, to places that I've never even heard of in my life. You wow. know, Inverkip was the most recent place. It went on a week to, you know, wow. I, and it went for various dinners for a wo- <laughs> with a woman and so her husband. So well traveled. Yeah, and and I love that. You know, I love um, I I love how things. You know, these items mm. have a story of their own, as you say. You know, they've got a life of their own. They go beyond the actual owner. Yeah. So what song did you choose for today? So for today, I picked... So for the present, I've picked the song Don't Matter by Cherokee. And I think her name is Dariana Everett. Yeah. Um, I love that song. It's, um, I mean, another song that I listen to almost every week. Okay, not every day. <laughs> yeah. um, but that was a song, actually, that I was listening to just as as I was considering to leave my, my full-time career in finance. Right. Um, and I kept thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? There's so much doubt. There's so much hesitation. Mm. And, um, you know, the song says um, they can say whatever they like. It don't matter. Um, and I kind of feel the same way at the moment. You know, there's so much noise around COVID. Yeah. There's so much noise around, you know, whether people care about sustainable fashion. Yeah. Um, there's so much noise about, you know, fast fashion companies coming up with their sustainability lines. Um, and my thing is like, I don't really care what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to continue pushing what we're pushing. Uh, you know, we're empowering people to share what they already own through technology um, and by making things circular b- through the use of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really the way to engage people of all backgrounds to actually be able to, you know, talk about sustainability in fashion. Uh, otherwise, it's for a very exclusive yeah. crowd that actually can afford it or, Definitely. You know, or have been trained in it. So, um, so yeah, so my thing is, you know, stay committed to your goal, um, think more about your long-term vision, and uh, don't worry about the rest, you know, don't worry about what they're saying, um, and all the noise that comes along with, I suppose, being a startup founder in a particularly challenging time for the economy mm. as a whole. That's such an inspiring philosophy, and I think that applies to so many different walks of life, because I think, you know, what you're saying about noise, there's always so much noise going on, whether that be in comparing yourself to where people are in their careers in comparison to you or what people are wearing or what they can afford. And it, yeah, that's an amazing kind of focus to have to just sort of sit back and be like, I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing. My team has been so supportive with this, but, you know, that's what we do really well. You know, we don't look too much as to what other people are doing. Yeah. And um, we, we continue with our philosophy and our goals because, you know, the reason why I founded Rotation was because I did have a gut feeling about a few things and yeah. and I personally have some views as to how to solve this problem of um you know the where one's mindset mm. for example so um so yeah we're gonna stick to what we believe in and our values and uh you know carry out our mission so obviously this year has been a huge time for change you know not just in the sense of the global pandemic that none of us expected but obviously also in the sense that People have really kind of woken up to the institutional racism across the world and in this country. 
the fashion industry we know is kind of historically racist from people working in factories and being exploited to you know the diversity on the runway how do you think that this year has kind of kick-started change within the industry yeah I mean it certainly feels like you know um you know minority voices are being amplified which is great I like to think that it will continue and I like to think it's not just um you know that our voices are being amplified through various marketing pieces that actually there will be representation for them uh, permanently, not just for a marketing campaign, uh, permanently, you know, on board seats or in manager level seats. Um, uh, Yeah, I I like to think that's going to happen. And and that's why I'm just going to say I'm hopeful. I do think that obviously the industry has, um, you know, it's it's got a reputation for nepotism. And, and, you know, it's one of those industries where, um, you know, a lot of um, people who work, you know who 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 would want to work based on merit wouldn't really join because it doesn't pay that well either yeah, yeah, yeah. so then it ends up you know being like this vicious circle um of the same people always and people of the same families or the same backgrounds or yeah. the same neighborhoods always you know um working in, in in these companies so i like to think that the the industry will be more merit based as yeah. opposed to who you know um i think that's one one thing very glaring that i noticed f- since day 1 um, when I left my job in finance. And I think finance gets a bad name for a lot of different things, you know, with the global crises yeah. and all of that. But um, but I would say that um, it, it is an industry that's based on merit. So it doesn't matter what you look like or where you were born. Um, you, know, you, you know, maybe that can get you a job, um, like an internship or a job to begin with. Yeah. But you always get found out um, if you're not good enough. And I think in fashion, I wouldn't, I don't feel like it's the same. Yeah. Um, so for me, the conversation is really that you you need to um, put in the best talent, and that's regardless of skin color um, or, or socioeconomic background. It's really about who is best fit for the job. Yeah. Um, and and I hope that the industry will, you know, once they've amplified, um, you know, our voices and black voices, and you know, and and given more representation to yeah. us, I hope that um, they will make that the next book. Um, next thing to do on their list which is to um, do everything that they do and every decision that they make uh, be based on merit that's a really interesting point and, and I kind of never thought about the financial industry being like that and I think that does happen in a lot of great creative industries that it's not necessarily based on merit and actually I mean I think it's the same in the music yeah. industry as well isn't it it's yeah. about who you know, yeah. who's someone's daughter, who's someone's exactly. son. So in terms of the pandemic, how has that personally kind of affected by rotation? My husband's mom is a doctor. So as a family, we were kind of, I wouldn't say anything happened, but we were personally affected by, yeah. you know, the kind of, um, you, you know, what was happening in the hospitals. So we found it very important not to push transactions, you yeah. know, like the financial motives of the business. Because, yeah, it is a business, you know, at yeah. the end of the day. But for me, it was just very important that we ensure that, um, you know, our community feels like they want to belong first and foremost. So, um, so yeah, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, as a completely digital and purely peer-to-peer mm. business, um, just giving back to the community, you know, whether it was giving free credit on the app to NHS employees or really, you know, keeping them engaged with lighthearted content and, and you know, weekly challenges. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, we grew the user base by 150% over wow. the six-month lockdown period, which was fantastic because we obviously didn't spend on marketing at all. Yeah. Uh, we thought it was inappropriate to do so while, you know, yeah. people were losing their jobs and being put on furlough and all of that. And, um, you know, and, and obviously it was amazing to have the support of people like Stacey Dooley, who yeah. um, in the UK, she's, I guess, you know, she's an icon that everyone reveres. Yeah. And, you know, she gave up a, a large part of her wardrobe to raise funds for charity. Uh, so Refuge, the charity yeah. against domestic violence, which also saw a lot of cases rise during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, during the lockdown, sorry. Um, so it was really great to get a lot of support, even from mainstream um, British media and personalities who, you know, had woken up to the, the reality that is fast fashion and, you know, supply chains being broken down in the fashion industry yeah. as well. Do you think that the kind of the time, the extra time that people had to kind of sit and reflect and obviously during the pandemic, the world stopped and we we saw the benefits for the environment of that happening you know all the factories mm. stopping production for a while and pollution levels exactly and, yeah. and do you think that gave people a chance to sit back and be like oh actually I want to kind of step back from fast fashion and definitely I mean you know there was this whole thing about Mary Kondo yeah you know so everyone kind of stuck in if, if you're living in like a city like London you probably have a small well probably generally speaking mm. most of us have small flats and you're just looking at your space and you're like, I have too much stuff. Yeah. I don't wear this stuff. There are labels on this stuff. Um, so there were a lot of people actually reconsidering their consumption patterns. And definitely when they heard about all these supply chain issues, mm. you know, affecting garment workers in already, you know, um, destitute areas in certain yeah. parts of the world. Um, I think people began to feel... You, you know, they began to feel like they were part of the problem. Yeah. So it's really great because we did have a captive audience. You're right. You know, everyone was on their phones. They were very digitally engaged. Mm. So we did actually get to spread a lot of education. And also, you know, with people coming out of being stuck in the house for ages, people really want to look great for events. Exactly. I mean, it was crazy when, um, you know, when they started the Eat Out to Help Out yeah. scheme. I mean, we were seeing rentals for heels, for handbags. And I was like, I don't wear heels when I go for dinner. But, yeah. you know, people just wanted to go all out. They were done, you know. Yeah. Um, they were done Better with their, their pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I think it was a good time for everyone to have a lot of self-reflection. I guess the question, we, we need to redefine the word new, right? New just means that it needs to be new to you. It doesn't yeah. need to be a completely new product on its own. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, you know, I look at my puppy and when I get him a new toy, he gets very excited as well. So so we, we as, you yeah. know, we as animals, we do like the novelty of new, Definitely. you know, you know, a, a summer fling, you know, it's yeah. a new thing, you know, it, there's always this kind of excitement. And therefore, we just really need to question um, what new actually means. Yeah. You know, does it doesn't mean a completely new product. And also, I think accessibility is something that is really important as well, because, you know, a lot of these brands are brands that people wouldn't necessarily at all be able to afford so what would you say to someone who is on a tight budget and usually shops in kind of high street brands yeah you you can put um price filters Mm. um and and limits so you can make sure that you know you're renting items for only i don't know three pounds a day five pounds a day i've seen items for three and two pounds a day um you can put filters on there uh you know to make sure that it doesn't kind of go out of your budget and uh, and and you'll be surprised as to how good you feel wearing, you know, something that belongs to someone else, and you end up kind of realizing that they have the same style style as you, they're the same size as you, 
I was going to say styes. <laughs> Maybe you should invent that <laughs> I word. Know, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, who who are very similar in terms of, um, you know, how you would dress. And you've never met them ever, but you've kind of now made this, built this rapport with them. Yeah. So you've got like an online friend almost, you know, yeah. like a pen pal or something. Um, so yeah, you'll be surprised as to how nice that connection feels. I've certainly enjoyed, you know, also seeing people renting my items and how they've styled them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I would have never thought of that. And it makes me feel good knowing that some people really, you know, there's quite a few people desiring the same item. So I yeah. made a good choice when I bought it. So yeah, I think it's that personal connection where, you know, the, the person would realize that instead of just trying to make yourself feel better by wearing, you know, fast fashion, you know, really poorly made clothes mm. that you probably won't wear again, you can actually feel better by wearing something high quality yeah. and also having a nice personal interaction with a real person yeah. and ending up building up building a friendship. Um, so yeah, just just reconsider um, yeah. how to get that hit of new. And I think it also it puts the emphasis on style and not you know money as well like if you, so true all it takes then to be fashionable is just having style rather than yeah. having the financial finding means. the nice things yeah exactly what song did you pick for tomorrow and why so for tomorrow or the future i picked the song how it goes by Moki. Um, Thank you for introducing me to this, by the way, because this is great. Do you like the song? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, so good. fun, right? <laughs> um, it's actually, I, I think I first heard it in the Hotel Cost playlist, which I love, by the way. Um, but yeah, I heard the song at my friend's 30th birthday. We went to Menorca. And we were driving in the car, obviously pre-COVID, mm. all of all of this. We were we were driving in the car and it was just really fun. And I, I remember I was still doing by rotation as a side hustle last year. So it was really fun because um on the weekends I always spent my time, you know, on the business. Yeah. So it was it was nice to get away from my work, uh, from my side hustle and really just have fun with a group of five girls. Yeah. Um and we had all come from different cities and we were meeting up in Menorca. So it was really fun. Um, but yeah, um, so as for the song, I mean, he sings in the song. Um, you can't really hear most of the lyrics, but he says, that's how it goes. He just keeps repeating that. And for me, it's such an upbeat song. And I, it just makes me think of, hey, that's life. You know, you just got to get on with it. And um, you just need to push yourself. And I don't know, it kind of gives me that, that determination and, yeah. and energy. Like that get up in the morning kind of vibe. Exactly. And I love listening to it at the gym as well. Yeah. Like you're like, yes, that's how it goes. <laughs> Gotta go. Keep going. I was like repeatedly listening to this song um, last year. And my husband's like, we get it. Like you like this song. Move on. <laughs> and I'm like, no. That's what I do when I love a song though. I literally play it like as soon as it's finished, I'll just start it again. Yeah. Until like, I, I think I do this and then I... One? Yeah, literally. <laughs> I, I think that. I just... But I make myself really sick of them, though, because I just do that too much. Like, do you know on Spotify, I just like songs? Yeah. yeah. And then I'll just rinse them. That, that sounds like me. <laughs> do you think the notion of rental in fashion will create a domino effect on the whole industry? Well, a lot of the fashion industry is based on the production side. You know, all the runway shows and everything, they're yeah. all focusing on the designers, so therefore the production. Um, so I think... I mean, I would love to say that fashion rental is going to be the change that drives the entire wider industry, but I do think it needs to come from the producers. Yeah. But I'm happy to say that, you know, again, these fast, 
fashion companies, you know, some of them who have much bigger budgets, you know, they're some of the largest companies in the world. They have, you know, the most number of billionaires in terms of the industry. Um, I would say that they, you know, that they are making the concept of sustainability in fashion more mainstream. So I definitely thank them for that. Um, because now it, it's up to the rest of the producers in the industry. So, you know, e- even even the high fashion houses to start talking more about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that will be good for the entire industry. And I think fashion rental um, and resale as well, because that's definitely a bigger market. I think these are the two industries that are going to appeal more to the consumer. And we really need to talk to the consumer. I mean, I've... Uh, Anyway, given that I don't have a background in fashion and mm. not really a huge network in fashion myself, I've always relied on the consumer side of things to get our message through. And I think it resounds better with them than when you tell, you know, the fashion industry. So when you tell designers that you should yeah. do rental, they're less willing to hear that. Yeah. You know, um, so I think um, the consumption side of things, you know, rental will be the way to, um, to drive um, consumer habits. And... Um, in terms of you know the production side of things, it will really be um, the new type of uh, techniques that they come up with yeah. in terms of uh, creating new collections. Yeah. So you know whether that's um, using different kinds of materials or even digital fashion, that's becoming a big thing. Mm. Um, I think Burberry was doing a bit of experimenting with that. So I think um, I think yeah, that's the two sides of the equations, and we will be driving the consumption side of it. What I love about rental as well is it kind of it's quite empowering for the consumer because it really puts that power back into their hands to be able to, you know, determine how the industry starts moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, and again, they have, you know, it's their wardrobe. They can do what they want with it. Mm. They can make, you know, they can monetize the pieces um, if they want just by sharing. And I think I think that's what's really great about it is that it's totally up to them um, what they do with their items after they buy them. Um, and and it's got nothing to do with whether the the producer of them wants to change or not as a yeah a, as a company. So what are your kind of future plans for the brand then? Where do you see it all going? So the app's going to get better. Um, it's going to get faster, and it's going to be more social. And I really see us moving more and more towards becoming more of a social network. Oh, cool. Um, as opposed to, you know, um, e-commerce player or retail player. You know, this is a tech business yeah. at the end of the day. Almost like where people could get style inspiration from as well as kind of just renting. Exactly. So, you know, it, obviously we make money when, mm. when you do a transaction. But, you know, how many times have you been on Airbnb to look at, you know, cool yeah. houses that you might want to stay at one day? So that's really where we want to go to, go towards. Yeah, it's almost like Airbnb is, is in a way almost become like a Pinterest board because you're like saving, you know, interior aesthetics that you like in planning future. Exactly. So we ask everyone on the podcast, if you could change something about tomorrow, what would it be? So I think I kind of mentioned it already uh, earlier on, but it would be really nice if the world operated more on merit. Yeah, I'm really big on that. And, and maybe it's just the way that I grew up and the training that I've had in my past career and experiences. But I think it would be really great to champion people who are just actually talented at what they do, as opposed to any kind of... Um, you know, uh, impressions we have of them based on things like their appearance or their background. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like as a third culture kid, I've always been kind of a foreigner or stranger where I've lived, you know, whether it was in Singapore or, you know, even in India when mm. I go back because I'm not really from there. 
um, and, and obviously in London and when I was in the US for uni. So I've always kind of felt, you know, like an outsider. And I think that shouldn't be a barrier for someone to feel like um, they can actually contribute to a problem. Yeah, um, almost like you felt like you've had to prove yourself rather than it being kind of assumed knowledge. Exactly. You know, you always have to show that, no, you know, I have the grades mm. for it or no, I've worked really hard or, you know, um, like you can see my results are much better or, yeah. or, or, you know, or I don't know, my art is better. Like I am more talented. Um, you've always had to prove it based mm. on, on the actual quality of your work um, as, as, as opposed to it actually being assumed yeah. that um, of course of course you can do this yeah. you know um, so I think that would be nice I think um, that's something that's really important to me and I try to practice that throughout all you know um, in my personal and professional life yeah and you obviously are you know a very young woman who is now started yes <laughs> yeah started a you know a big fashion brand and i know that obviously the fashion industry is dominated by young women but in terms of the kind of higher levels of ceos it's a really small percentage that woman so it's great to see you know female leaders in this in this industry thank you how do you think we can encourage more women to you know be business leaders within the fashion industry you know i i know there have been some programs like certainly in the financial services sector there have been some programs to you know have quotas like 30 yeah. percent of your board has to be women um i personally am not really into quotas but i think quite recently about a couple of years ago one of my male colleagues told me you have to start somewhere and maybe that's by positively discriminating. Yeah. So um, so now I'm beginning to understand that and I feel like maybe that needs to be done. So, so some positive discrimination because there needs to be room that needs to be made specifically yeah. for women um, and, and we need to commit to it. So I think that's one approach. Um, I think the other approach is, again, you know, I wouldn't... I'm not really a big fan of these mentoring programs or schemes. Mm. I like more tangible results. Like, no, I'm committing to investing in you, yeah. you know, as opposed to just giving you one hour of my time. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But I, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I like to do, I like to, you know, um, walk the walk rather than, you know, just talk. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people do that by doing mentoring. And again, you know, this whole marketing campaigns about amplifying black voices and all of that. Yeah. I think it needs to be put into action. Like, you will actually hire these people. Definitely. You will actually pay them for their work, uh, not just for this campaign. Yeah, and or not, not just show them on Instagram so that you're looking like you're showing adversity, diversity rather. Exactly, and that you're trying to wash your hands off it, you yeah. know. Um, so I think that really needs to be done. And um, yeah, and again, just going back to my point, you know, it needs to be based on merit. So you need to... You know, you, you should look at what women are doing and, and kind of actually recognize the talent in them um, and not just write it off and say, no, it's too early. You know, she's too young or, or no, nah, she won't fit in with the other guys out there or whatever. Yeah. You need to really, um, I guess, um, embrace the fact that she will probably have a different perspective and that will actually add value. I feel like when we were in school, um, it was cool to belong to a group. And then when we were teenagers, it was cool to be unique mm. um, and probably in uni as well. But as we got out of uni and we go back to work, I feel like people have gone back into their cliques and they're very comfortable. And there's that concept of herd mentality, uh, so which true. I think, yeah, which I think is very prevalent in um, adults now that we yeah. are. 
And I think that we need to break out of that. I, 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 I love to see diversity. I love to see very different people together. Yeah. Um, so my team, for example, um, I don't know any of them until I started bar rotation. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to school with them or my friend didn't know one of them or whatever. And I love that because we come from very different backgrounds. They have very different networks and then very different opinions. But we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. So I think if, you know, if people in the fashion industry, um, to that point, the fashion industry in particular, if they actually recognize that the woman actually has a very different perspective and you should hear her out so that we can change this very traditional industry, um, that would be great. Yeah. I think that's a great way to finally make some change. Well, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you. So thank you for coming in and tell people where they can find you and your app. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. Um, you can find the app on the App Store and also Google Play. It's free to download. So that's by rotation, B-Y rotation. Um, and you can see us on our website, so byrotation.com, or our Instagram, which is super fun, byrotationofficial. Um, and as for me, you can find me at on Instagram at aren'tyouishita. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you so much to Ishita for speaking to me. It's so inspiring to meet someone who's recognised the problem and is now just striving for a solution. Next week on Change the Record podcast, I'm speaking to amazing new music artist Olivia Dean. Olivia has just released her brilliantly open new EP, What Am I Gonna Do on Sundays? and is tipped to be big. She's a really positive person who recognises how good music is for the soul. So do give that a listen when it's released next Thursday. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do spread the word and subscribe to Change the Record podcast with me, Megan Gray. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Vocal Girls Club and at Tomorrow Mag, T-M-R-W. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. <laughs>